Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To the Hammer and Rails podcast, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are back uh, to discuss the now 2-1 and one, uh, Purdue football team following the loss at Notre Dame. Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to discuss the recent news out of Purdue basketball that was the retirement. I'm putting that in quotes. I know you can't uh, see that on the podcast uh, of Sharon Versup. And we also want, just wanted to mention... Uh, some Boilermaker in the NFL news. So we will get into those. But first, Casey, I have got a question for you. Are I missed you them. Let's go. I know. So you and I, we both work on a blog, right? I mean, we, we write stories occasionally. We critique situations with Purdue Sports, right? In theory, that verb and that noun do correlate to our lives. Yes. So what would you say... Are we allowed to be critical of coaches? No, but we're also not allowed to be dumb optimists about coaches. Um, so wait, we can't be critical of coaching? Right, we can't be critical of coaching. You can be critical of players. Um, fans <laughs> like to do that. <laughs> wait, I feel like you're um, in rooms here. Yeah, no. I, part Part of what we, in theory, do is critique. We, you know, we are fans. We technically get paid a small stipend, and we are in some ways supposed to cover and give our opinions, good or bad, about the program. And to be honest, Ledman, we we do college athletics, so I'm not going to spend much time railing on kids. I'm just not. Yeah. I really made that decision about a year or two ago. Not, I mean, I, I definitely made a couple jokes against kids that I shouldn't have. And felt bad afterwards, but in general, just in my head, I I don't think we should be particularly hard on any players. Colt uh, coaches are adults. They chose this. They get paid a lot of money. They are open for all of our 
as long as it's in decent taste. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jabs of course. and critiques that we see or feel. So the reason I bring this up is uh, one of the things that I've been doing this season for football is I do the quick wrap after the game is over. So we try to do a more in-depth story as the night goes on. Generally, Travis does that. I do um, the slow you know, wrap. It's his site. You, you know, can, I just, yeah. that's the beat I prefer. Yeah, that's the flow that you, you work best in. <laughs> There's no problem with that. Right. A lot of great rappers have slow flows. Exactly. I mean, Biggie Smalls for one. So I generally do the quick rap where I go, you know, basically just like vomit on the page. My quick impressions of what's happened, uh, you know, make sure to put the score in the headline for SEO purposes, but then you go from there. So I put that on our Facebook page, and there were at least three comments that just came out immediately were like, armchair quarterback much? Because I criticized the play calling. Huh. And I don't know what these people think that we do here, <laughs> but... Our entire blog like, is based around... All journalism is based... There yeah. is no such thing as future journalism. Right. It, we are a blog about Purdue sports, and in that realm, I have to critique what has happened in the sporting event. If I mean, I can't just, then a pass was completed. A pass was incomplete. Purdue ended up scoring fewer points than... Well, like that's not, maybe, that? maybe this, this person just believes in absolute points. And the idea of challenging that in any way. Um, was it The Watcher? Did The Watcher? No, okay. no, it was not Watu. No. No, The Watcher. So I, yeah, Watu The Watcher. Is that his name? Yeah. You are such a better dork than I am. I know. Well, I've been reading the comics for a lot longer, so. Or at all. Um, <laughs> so, you know. Uh, but yeah, so that just. That kind of stuff just annoys me. So I wanted to let people know that there will be critiquing of of coaches, of play calling. Um, you are listening to a game recap podcast. We right. will talk and complain about choices made. It is indeed not a simple recap of every play that happened in the game. There will be choices made by the two hosts about what we wish to speak about. Yeah, so, my God, if you would have saw me ranting during the game. Yeah, don't. that's why we don't allow the group chat to be public. I mean, honestly, my Twitter wasn't, uh... Well, yeah, that's never good either, but... <laughs> that, I, can't, either. I can't control your Twitter. I can only help control in the group chat. All right, so now that that's out of the way, um, I did want to mention, obviously I said the Sharon Versip news. She, quote, retired, unquote, uh, from the women's basketball program last week, and that means Katie Gerald is now taking over one year earlier than normal, uh, one year earlier than planned, and so Purdue women's basketball will have a new head coach this coming season, and I know we covered this, you know, fairly extensively uh, a few weeks back when the allegations against Coach Versip came out, and Casey and I were both in agreement that, you know, she needs to go now, of course, complete the investigation, figure out what else happened, who else needs to go, but we were both on on board with the idea of the two, you know, that Versa needs to go, and honestly, it sounds like Terry Kicks needs to go as well. I've not heard anything yet about her, but I am just glad that Purdue, I would imagine, put pressure on her to get her out of the way. Um, but I'm really happy for Katie Gerald. I know this is going to be a huge thing for her. It's something that she's wanted for a long time. So hopefully she can get in there and turn around a program that, quite frankly, Sharon Versa drove directly into the ground. Um, and, and obviously, call the it yeah. 
and didn't treat people well uh, on the way down. So you, you hate to see anybody do that. So uh, those are my thoughts. I just wanted to get that out of the way at the top. Uh, Casey, do you have anything to add that we haven't already said? I just wish that the easiest route, the one that's normally taken, is always the one in favor of letting the person who did something bad just walk away with the appearance of under their terms. Yeah. There's there's not an asterisk big enough. The headline needs to be, Versa was told to leave the program. Yeah, because you know that's what happened. Absolutely. I I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing that happened to Randy Randy Etzel at UConn when he announced he was going to retire at the end of the year, and then the very next day he was like, well, by the end of the year, I mean today. Today's my last day, and I'm gone. Like, colleges and with big football programs, any big any program, there's money involved. They're going to come and put pressure on you if you're giving the program a bad name or if you're not getting results. And unfortunately for Sharon Versup, she was doing uh, no results and bad reputation at the same time. So And still uh, got to retire. Yeah, and still somehow got to retire. And they were still putting out tweets and Facebook posts like, you know, thank you, coach. So many great years. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, we don't need that. that you need for to do sure. less. Just let it go. Talk, you know, talk about it less. It's already over. Get her out of the way. Yeah, I I think that is what uh, rankled me the most is it's one thing to, okay, say she retired. There's no charges yet. You probably are still within your investigation. But don't congratulate her. Don't give her a parade on the way out in any capacity. So to see that was definitely disappointing. Yeah, and it's going to look even worse. Um if even more allegations come out and there's these tweets about like, you know, congrats coach on your way out. We 20 great years, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's never a good thing, but Oh, well she's gone. We don't have to think about her again. And we wish Katie Gerald's nothing but success. So if you, if you write a tweet and, and in your head, you think head like, is there a decent chance that I have to delete this tweet in a (laughs) month or six months? Don't make the tweet. (laughs) <laughs> well and that goes for a lot of people just don't make a tweet you're basically arguing that no one should tweet ever no and i mean honestly it's a good argument it's a good argument i mean i get what you're saying but also like everyone sets the bar so low for just being an asshole like you you can critique people without crossing the line you can not like just put your entire foot in your mouth there are plenty of ways to be decent even online even on twitter that you don't have to know or probably regret like the writing's on the wall no tweet in five years is gonna look good about versa no no so she is out the door uh good luck to coach gerald's now we can say coach gerald's instead of coaching waiting so that is done let's never speak of it again now we did mention some nfl boilers at the top and really it's kind of nfl boiler at this point that we wanted to mention um, just very briefly, uh, Rondale Moore scored his first NFL touchdown today on just a fantastic pass. Uh, 77 yards. Uh, Kyler Murray, Rondale Moore was untouched. He had a great blocker out in front of him, but probably didn't need it if you've ever seen Rondale Moore play football. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just great to see uh, a guy who put in the work uh, have success in the NFL. And I don't imagine this is going to be the last touchdown we see out of him this year well that's the thing right like it's just really fun to see him land and at the beginning of the year i I was a little worried because i don't believe that much in cliff kingsbury but to be paired up with kyler murray in an offense that needs someone with rondell moore's 
uh, elite athleticism and talent. It's just really neat to see him fall into this perfect situation already and already seeing it pay off in such big ways. Like, that's a big play. He also caught five balls. So, yeah. He yeah, is a I mean, part of that offense. It's a fun offense. It's exciting. Yes. And that that's a fun team to watch, and he's one of the more fun players to watch. Yeah, and, I mean, Kyler Murray, if I'm sure everybody uh, we can go on Twitter and find the touchdown that Rondale scored, but, I mean, Kyler Murray had to scramble. He was heading toward the line of scrimmage, and then I'm sure at that moment, he saw Rondale down the field just wide open. Unbelievable. You know, they just basically, the defense forgot he was on the field, it seems like. Well, he was wide open, caught it, and then had only one guy to beat. And, I mean, it was just, what a play. That that Arizona offense can be a lot of trouble. Pretty much they sent a blitz where they're like, hey, we can't cover all the guys. It doesn't matter. We're sending so many people that there's no chance Kyler has a chance to find someone late. And Kyler just Houdini'd his way out of, like, three open defenders. and. All of a sudden, looks downfield and oh, Rondell Moore is wide the hell open, just yeah, forty yards in front of him. You're like the the kid in the backyard when you're jumping up and down. Throw it to me, yeah. I'm open. Just incredible. You don't see that in the NFL often, and no, you capitalize. Like, what a way to start your career. What, yeah. what a yeah, awesome first touchdown. Yeah, seventy-seven yards. So that's gonna. I hope. I hope he got to keep that football. I don't know if Rondell Moore is he the kind of guy. He didn't throw it in the stands. He carried that bitch with him <laughs> off the sideline. <laughs> I don't know if Rondell Moore is going to be the kind of guy who, you know, keeps memorabilia from that his That ball's going to his mom. That ball that ball is going up right in the mantle so. of his mom's house. I hope it's going her. to someone because, I mean, that's a moment he's never going to forget. And that's that's just, it's just incredible, and you love to see it. So uh, congrats to Rondale. And uh, like I said, after the break, we are going to go into the Notre Dame game and uh, talk about the highs and the lows of Purdue's loss to Notre Dame. We'll be right back. And we are back to cover Purdue's loss, unfortunately, at Notre Dame. Um, you know, we knew going in it was going to be the toughest test of the young season for Purdue. Um we, we talked about it on the podcast that, that went up last Friday. Both Casey and I did predict a loss. And I want to say this um, before we get too deep into it. We were originally last week, we were originally going to record on Wednesday uh, because Casey had a basketball game on Thursday. Correct. But then he had to cancel, so we ended up recording on Thursday. And I'll tell you, if we were going to, if we would have, <laughs> if we would have recorded on Wednesday, I was going to pick Purdue. I like I had it all in my head what I was going to say and then as time wore on I had 24 extra hours I said I don't know I don't think I can do it I said I think they gotta they gotta show me more before I can pull the trigger and uh of course I ended up being right but this is the thing where like I don't want to be right you know I think that's that's like a misconception people have when they like when we put up the prediction post and we put up the prediction pod People think that when we make these picks, we want Purdue, we want whatever we said to happen. But, you know, both of us would love Purdue to go 12 and 0. And we, you know, us be wrong about every choice. That doesn't matter. We, we don't care about that. We would love Purdue to win every game. But, you know, like I said last week, we're just trying to be realistic. And uh, unfortunately, we were both correct uh, with our choices of uh, Notre Dame winning the game. Yeah, I mean, those are the exact sentiments for fans, but also you, we watch a lot of Purdue football. I, we were not 
there's there's more joy in being wrong uh, when something good happens than there is, you know, being right about bad things. So, yeah, exactly what you said. I don't I don't want them to ever lose, but it's gonna happen a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it happens. So, all right, let's get into it. Um, final score: twenty-seven to thirteen. Purdue actually was, you know, was only down uh, a score in the fourth quarter. So it kind of followed what I thought might happen. You know, I I said Purdue was going to have a chance to take the lead or or go ahead in the fourth quarter, and they were in that position. I mean, with only eight minutes left, they were only down by seven. Um, it was twenty to thirteen at that time. So Purdue had the opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, they just they just couldn't get it. Now, there's a few things that I want to talk about um, specifically. One is going to be the quarterback situation. So as you may know, if you're a listener of this podcast, both Casey and I are fans of Jack Plummer. We think he's the best quarterback on the roster. We think he's the one that needs to be the starter. Of course, we were vindicated in that when he was named the starter. Um, now, he went 25 of 36, only 187 yards, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. Now, my problem is he was pulled in the fourth quarter at the aforementioned eight-minute mark when Purdue was down 20 to 13. You pull your starter. Uh, Brom said after the game that he was not injured. He'd just taken some hits, but that Jack Plummer is our starter. What does that mean? That's my question to you. What the f*** does that mean? I, so, I, I'm out on Brom. We, let's just start early. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, with I'm it. not. No, I'm not. I'm that not. is such a stupid... We have watched him play this dumb game all offseason. I don't know who my quarterback is. Oh, yeah, we'll play all of them. And then after putting up 10 points in the third quarter, having a touchdown drive, the only touchdown drive of the game, then he's going to pull him so, because he plays football. <laughs> so my only thinking is this. Um, the offense, I mean, was not great. I mean, we only scored 13 points, three in the first quarter, nothing in the second. You did say, you know, 10 in the third quarter, but then nothing in the fourth. Yeah. So, what, what did he, what plays did he call in the first half? Um, you know, offense. It was a run. Yeah. Well, uh, and some really bad fourth down call, uh, which doesn't make, didn't make sense to me. I think he gave the ball to Milton Wright, which. Not my first choice in a fourth and one situation, but whatever. That's not what I'm here to quibble with. So I, I talked to a couple people about this, and the only thing they could say is maybe, you know, Plummer had – granted, he did. He he got a few shots against him, and he was. it's not like he was lighting up the scoreboard, um, but he was completing the throws he needed to make. Maybe some of his, che maybe some of his check, down, check downs were some of the problems with the play calling. I don't know. But the checkdowns were first looks. Well, okay. Ninety uh, percent of them were the first read. But I mean, I I don't I don't think I can say that with any certainty. I don't know his progressions on a lot of those. He throws got the ball where, out of his hands too quick to have a progression. Yeah, to the first person, which is coaching. But but is that That's is coaching. that his fault or is that the fact that our offensive line gave him no time and he just happens to know? This is going to be my safety valve throw, and I have to have that ready in the back of my mind. No, the, the entire offense in the first half was designed to be safety valve throws. 
Yeah, we didn't really take many shots. We took no sure. shots. They they said maybe, you know, maybe because of the hits he took, maybe he was reacting a little slower, maybe he wasn't making the reads that he needed to make, and maybe we just wanted to change a pace. And they argued that O'Connell maybe has a bigger arm. I don't know that no, he I doesn't. Buy, I don't know that I buy that argument. He doesn't. But, but that was all I could uh that's all I was told by people who agreed with this with the situation. That's insane. Plummer, you either have a starting quarterback or you don't. And if he's your starting quarterback, you don't yank him unless he does something egregious. Well, and to me, you don't yank him when you're down a score in the fourth quarter. No, after the best quarter of the game. After yeah. Brom finally said, oh, hey, by the way, how about we spread it out so those quick passes can actually, like, get yards? Yeah. Why don't we take advantage of them double-bracketing Bell every single possession by putting other receivers on there and giving them some space to hop. Yeah, I, I mean, it just it boggled my mind, especially because I assumed maybe maybe Plummer had gotten hit in the head. Maybe I didn't see like hit him get his bell rung a little bit. Maybe he was on the sideline with a possible concussion. You know, they showed him on the sideline. He didn't have his helmet on. And a lot of times when you see a, a starting quarterback on the sideline without a helmet, you wonder has this person you know, are they in concussion protocol? Did they take their helmet so they can't get back in the game? So that was my assumption. But then after the game, he was just like, no, uh, we took him out and he's still our starter. Do you know what and it I, seems like? It seems like Brom overthinks everything because he thinks he's the smartest person on the field. And he's not. He has shown I, none of that. Yeah, I agree. He might overthink things. Um, he thinks he's playing like 40 chess and he can't figure out how to do a run game. Oh, you see, you should have said it seems like he's doing playing 4D chess, but he really can't figure out checkers. If you really wanted to to go with that, I wanted to bring metaphor. the metaphor to life. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. all right. Well, that's fair. Obviously, based on what Brom has said, uh, Plummer will be the starter in the next game against Illinois, so that is good. But will Brom put him in a position to succeed? That is not something I mean, that I can confirm. Yes, because he's putting him into play against Illinois. <laughs> Well, let's not get cocky. We just never know. So uh, in fairness to Aiden O'Connell, I do want to say that he played well. Um, 11 of 18, 104 yards, but he did have two interceptions. Um, one bounced off of Durham's hands. Uh, and Yeah, we might have to revisit that question. I think I think Durham is still good, but he does seem to have a penchant for not catching the ball and uh, having it bounce off of him to the defender. He doesn't have great hands. He's a good athlete. And the second interception was on a third and seven. I mean, there was less than a minute left. So there were, I'm sorry, just over a minute left. So it's hard to really put too much on that because when you're at that point, you're just trying to make something happen. So Especially you might when, when you can't move around the pocket <laughs> right? to create a play <laughs> from happening when, they're really, when you're against there really a rush. There isn't a pocket. There isn't a pocket. Right. Which is definitely when you want to bring in your slow – Walk on. Yeah, see that is the that is the other thing that bothers me. There's no mind. logical reason. It's one just the, him like, well, I can't figure it out otherwise, let's change it up. One of the reasons to play plumber is he is more uh able to make a play with his legs and get clear in the backfield when when a defensive lineman is going to get through and get to him. Whereas O'Connell is, you know, I think he's a fine quarterback and I think Purdue would be probably just as uh, would probably still be two and one with Aiden O'Connell yes. as a starter, but 
he's not going to be running around back there giving himself more time. That's not really his game. So it just blows my mind. But, I mean, we could talk about this the whole whole podcast, but we probably shouldn't. There's more stuff that happened. Yeah. Um, um, it, so, O'Connell lowers our ceiling as soon as he walks into the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's more of a safe choice. Um, he's not going to get you the big play. He can't keep the play alive. Which is apparently what Brom likes. After that first half, apparently that's all he's looking for. I mean, I just, I, I can't figure it out, but I don't get paid $5 million to figure it out, so hopefully Brom can figure it out. We'll see. Um, the, obviously, the other biggest thing that happened was David Bell uh, getting injured, just, going out. Um, I really did not like that they showed me the replay about 100 times. I did not need to see uh, his head hit the field and bounce like that. Um, it did not look good. It was not fun to watch. And he appeared to lose consciousness. I have not seen a confirmation of that. But, I mean, it looked like he just went out as soon as he got – I mean, as soon as he got hit. And it. a lot of people online were arguing that it was targeting, but I don't know that I buy that. Um, yeah, it just kind of seemed like momentum in the hit yeah, happened to go in the and, same place. And targeting is such a terrible rule. I understand what they're trying to do, but it's enforced so terribly and haphazardly that no one has any idea what's going on or who really is targeting. And you know, it's just terrible. They need to they need to tighten that up before next season. But uh, so for those that didn't see it and haven't read, I mean, he he took I believe it was a slant. Um, the throw was a little out of reach, but he went for it anyway, got it, and then immediately got hit, um, fell directly to the turf, actually didn't hang on to the ball, um, and his head hit the ground. Um, he appeared to be, un- like I said, uh, unconscious, and then he was down for several minutes. He was eventually able to get up uh, on his own. He was bleeding. Uh, looked like he his mouth was bleeding at some, somehow. Uh, I'm not sure if he, you know, literally hit it on the the field or what, but got out, took his helmet off, he was bleeding, and then he was carted off the field. Um, Purdue announced after the game that he was up and walking around, and then today he tweeted uh, that he was feeling good, he was healthy, um, and he, uh, you know, he apologized for yeah, letting that the broke team my down. heart. And I was like, oh man, you don't need to do that. So. Uh, his tweet was, thank you, Boiler Nation, and everyone for all the support over the past day. Every message and prayer did not go unnoticed. Fortunately, I am healthy, and I am sorry for letting everyone down this weekend. We'll be better this week for show. Let's keep our heads up. Boiler up. Like, man, you got nothing to apologize for. Protect uh, Bell at all costs. Right? Um, so we obviously uh, love David Bell. We think he's the best player in this football team on the offensive side of the ball. So... Purdue needs him against Illinois. The question is, can he be medically cleared? Is he healthy? Um, we don't want to rush him back. We don't want him to be in an unsafe situation. Um, but we want him back as soon as can, as soon as possible in a healthy and safe way. You know, there's no reason to put his career and his future in jeopardy for a game against Illinois. So we'll have to see updates um, as that comes out throughout the week. But we're holding our breath and hoping he can play against Illinois. Yeah, all the best. Uh, it's terrifying to see. Uh, all indications are he's as good of a player, as good of a person off the field as he is on the field. So you just 
hope that he gets back. I, I don't care if he has to miss this whole season. Just be healthy for the rest of his career in life. Don't jeopardize anything for a couple games of football. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Hopefully they take care of it and he bounces back and we don't have to see anything like that again this year. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, good luck to him. We hope to see him back pretty soon. So one of the things that we knew was going to be a problem going into this Notre Dame game was the Purdue offensive line and the Purdue running game, which of course are connected. So if you take out the stats of uh, Jack Plummer, who was uh, sacked and ended up with negative three yards, Purdue wound up with 21 carries for 54 yards. That's good, right? That is actually bad. Oh. That is actually bad. Um, so the leading rusher, King Doru, 10 rushes, 45 yards. That's not bad. He was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, um, he also threw in six sketches for 39 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Doru handled himself pretty well. He did what we were hoping he would do. Now, the problem is everyone else kind of struggled, but also we just we had no ability to stick with the run because we were behind. We were playing from behind. We didn't trust the run game. We didn't trust the offensive line. And and that makes sense. But when there's no balance on your football team on the offense, everybody knows what's going to happen. It makes everything harder, um, you know, for your quarterback and for your receiving core. Yeah, if you can't set up a run, so you don't have play action, so you don't have any ways to hold the linebackers from charging in. If you can't protect, then all of a sudden the safeties, they don't have to worry about getting beat deep. All of a sudden, you don't have much of the field to operate with. You already have your best one-on-one weapon getting double-teamed every play. Uh, We saw Jackson Anthrop take advantage of that in places. He had seven catches for 90 yards. It was pretty good. But besides that, that, and you have, you know, Milton Wright dropping passes. Yeah. Yeah. Every and again, time. He had a again, lot of was, high leverage plays that we needed that just did not go our way. Yeah. I mean, a, a ball that would have been a touchdown just went right through his arms. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a very good throw, went right through his arms. Not sure, uh, how you don't get that one, but that was disappointing. And, and then he had that fourth and one, which was some sort of sweep. I, and he just he got nothing on it. I don't know why. Why do we have Sheffield on our team? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, why is David Bell on our team? Why is why are half the players on our team? I mean, I I know it's again. I think it's I think it goes back to Brom trying to be too cute by half. He's like, oh, I know they're gonna they're gonna think Bell's gonna get the ball. They're gonna maybe they'll think Sheffield because he does returns, so he's obviously very quick. Maybe he'll get the ball. Maybe we'd go to our running back in this situation. No, I'm gonna go to Milton Wright who is probably the third wide receiver um, on the team at this point. Well, he's definitely the slowest. Well, I don't know about slowest, but he's certainly not the fastest. So um, it was it was just an odd call all around. And re- one more word on the running game. I know, I mean, I know I said Doru is 10 carries, 45 yards. Yeah, 31 yards is his long yeah, one. So. 31 yards are long. So really... It wasn't as good as we made it sound there originally. I failed to mention that. So really, he had nine rushes for 14 yards. And do you want to know how I know Brown's not that smart of an offensive coach? What happened on that play is they moved everyone to the right, so there was no one to the left. And they put Bell to the right, I believe. So you had the double team happening to your right. So all of a sudden, you know you have numbers to the left. 
and all of a sudden you need two blocks to clear 30 yards of space. We never went back to that. It does seem odd. It does seem <laughs> odd. Poor spacing. If you have a guy you know is getting double teamed, you can work that to your advantage. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. It's just, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes when you're watching football and you're someone who watches a lot of football, you think, if I'm seeing this, yes, what? Why is the person who makes five million dollars not seeing this? Now, Brom is obviously a lot smarter uh, regarding football than I am, than you are. Knows yes. a lot more than we do, but sometimes he is a legitimate top seventy quarter or coach. <laughs> oh my god! Just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna move on. But I mean, you know, sometimes just. Like, you know, Occam's razor. Sometimes the easiest solution is the most obvious. Most obvious solution is the correct one. So do you, do you know what's really annoying? I, Our I defense played a lot pretty well. Oh, yeah. And has been surprisingly good all year. Yeah. Um, it, It's alarming that anytime the quarterback has time to look for a receiver deep, they're wide open. And once again, we got bailed out by a quarterback who can't make wide open passes. Yeah, there were there were a few plays where it was just, oh, thank goodness Jack Cohn cannot throw a good deep Really bad. But, okay, <laughs> this is what I don't understand. We have a lot of people, and some people we're not going to name, but we know specifically in our mind, that give Plummer a hard time and say, oh, well, he can't raise a program. If you put Jack Plummer on Notre Dame, we they put up 50 points. Yeah, I don't know that I'd go that far. But he does I not think, miss those deep routes with time. Yeah, I, I think Cone has a better probably overall team around him. But I mean, Cone was 15 of 30. That's know? what I'm saying. If you put Plummer back there, he completes those passes. Yeah, yeah. They score 50 points because those open guys downfield aren't going to be missed by four yards. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I kudos to the defense. I think that's fair to point out. Um, the defensive line played well. Um, you know, they were going against a weakness in uh, Notre Dame's offensive line, and they did play that third string left tackle like we spoke about. So uh, I think, you know, you had four sacks, seven tackles for loss for the Purdue defense, and you only allow Notre Dame 27 points. I think when I, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, but that's not going to trigger you. So the one of the reasons we brought in brought in Brom was because he's supposedly this offensive guru who had basically his defenses at Western Kentucky were not good, but they would outscore you. And it wouldn't matter because a W is a W at the end of the day. If you would have told me five years ago when we hired Jeff Brom, you know, the defense is going to allow 27 points to Notre Dame on the road. I'd be like, OK. Uh, we'll be in that game. We pr- we could win that game. And, and then if you would have told me, and the offense is going to score 13, I would be pretty shocked. Um, you know, it's we're we're not really getting what we were sold at this point. So I, I think you're not alone in jumping off the Brom train. But I know I just, I just don't like any of it. There's there's a high level of dissatisfaction right now, and really he's a victim of his own success. Because in year one, you know, turning around a program, going to a ball game, and you just realize, oh, you know, maybe what this team needed was some competent coaching and 
some intelligent play calling, and then suddenly they can turn it around, and he has not reached that peak again. And uh, you just wonder, what is it going to take for him to get a competent offensive line and a good enough surrounding pieces to put together an offense that we were we were we believed we were getting when we hired him. I'm I'm looking for the what if timeline of where he goes to Louisville. I'm trying to trying to jump into that timeline. Well, you know, we could have gotten maybe a good buyout money on that one, but I mean I I think he deserves the the years to continue. I think he should stay on. I'm not asking for him to be fired. Um, I think he still has a chance to be successful this season. And uh, we'll I don't, see I don't think he's going to get fired. I, I don't care. We're not going to pay that money. It's, it's just a boring team. We pay top 10 money for a coach that's boring. Well, the thing is, I think it is. I think if he was back at his normal salary before he got the raise, I think people would feel a lot better about the situation. No, he's but, boring. But when you played- when you when you parlay a request from another school, pref- you know, and it was his dream school, the school he went to, the school he played at, um, the school his family is beloved at, and you turn that into a huge pay increase at Purdue, you've got to deliver. And thus far, he has not delivered, and that weighs on people's mind. He's coached more quarters, scared and tentative than I ever would have thought possible in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean the whole offseason he talked about aggression, being aggressive, it's all like you every... do is be aggressive. And then it seems like as soon as the kickoff happens, he's forgotten he's ever said that and we're back to the timid I don't know, maybe I should play for a tie kind of Brahm. I like I don't sometimes I just don't know what he's doing. How many end of game press conferences have we gotten where he's like, "Well, I need to do this basic thing obviously. Yeah. I need to get back to this. I need to do like you should do it. You're getting paid to do it. Why do you get so surprised going into games? No one is surprised that in Notre Dame was able to jump all over Purdue. We aren't surprised that they couldn't protect for long. Why didn't we spread the ball out to begin with and not try to jam it up the middle for an entire half when we are starting running backs out? Um, we haven't had a good running game all year. Why, why was that the game plan coming into today? Yeah, but. My my thing is that I'm sticking with is your your press conference comment. He it does always seem like I he's like I need to take ownership of this. We need to be more aggressive. We need to do this. It's like you are the coach. Yeah. You said no one hoodwinked you into not you, doing those things. You said after last season, I need to take more ownership of the defense. I need to be more aggressive. We're going to be more aggressive because that is what got me in this position. You know that's what made me successful. And I loved hearing that because that's what I want out of Jeff Brom. Purdue might not have the most talent of every time they step onto the field, but what we can do is use what we have in creative and fun ways to try to get an advantage. And it doesn't seem like he's doing that. And when you're playing cautious, if you have less talent, it's not going to work for you. Did we do a single creative thing with David Bell today before he went out? No, not that I can think of. Could you imagine being an offensive-minded coach not able to get the best out of Bell? Yeah, and I mean, David Bell is just a great talent. So You wanted, what, 15 touches? Yeah, yeah. And he got set. Yeah. And uh, I'm amazed he's not being used more in the run game. But Anyway, like, just... 
His only... Oh, well, I need to hit Bell the ball. Let me run a wide receiver screen. Cool. Yeah. What What's the ceiling on that play? Yeah. Especially when... Especially if we don't have competent blocking. You yeah. know, why run a screen at all? So, I don't know. There's a lot of problems there. But um, there is one more thing I wanted to talk about because it was on a lot of fans' mind. And that is the officiating. Um... I think, obviously, Purdue did not lose this game because of the officials. I want to make that clear up front. Yeah, we had they those were... two defensive pass interferences that were absolutely defensive pass interferences. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't question every penalty, but there were some very bad calls. Yeah, apparently and... we can't call interference on David Bell. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just so, a I mean, handful of jersey. Yeah. And, I mean, they even showed it on the replay, and he just... His uh, his uh, defender, whoever it was, I mean, I don't even know his name. Bell is turning around to look for the ball. The the defender is facing the opposite direction, but is pulling Bell's right. jersey. And of course, Bell doesn't make the catch because he's getting basically thrown to the ground right. by a jersey. And the officials, in a position to make the call, just stares at it and doesn't make the call. I believe it was on a third down. Purdue doesn't convert. Ball back to Notre Dame. So. When you see that happen two or three times uh, in a game, that's enough to change a game. I don't know if those drives would have resulted in touchdowns, would have resulted in points, whatever. But college college officiating is just very bad. It is so inconsistent. They're, I mean, in addition to the, the terrible in, inconsistency with targeting, there's just so much that needs to be changed. Uh, with officiating, and I just don't know where to begin. Yeah, I mean, they don't make them full-time employees. Well, yeah, that's my first thing I would change. That's what's going to happen. Big Ten has enough money. NCAA. They haven't been playing, they haven't been paying players for, I don't know, this entire time. Yeah. Maybe, I guess, pay the umpires. Yeah, it's not good. Um, But that's also not a sports-specific thing, because, I mean... College basketball refing is terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's bad across the board and completely inconsistent. And, I mean, we talked about this, um, I think, when we were doing some of the player previews, is I'm not asking for, you know, 100% accuracy. What I want is one half of basketball to be called the same as the second half of basketball. I want the first four minutes of a half to be called the same as the last four minutes of a half. I don't want the game to be changed by a referee. Yeah, it's hard to be consistent. It is. Uh, these guys move really quick, and there's a lot of bodies. I don't. Uh, I. This might seem simple, but would not more referees and umpires help make it a little more accurate? I mean, if you could, if you could divide the work accurately, yeah. But I mean, you know, they've got a lot of refs right now, and they're not getting everything right no, now. No, I know. And they can, you know, they can still review and everything, and they still get them wrong. So it's, I, I just don't know what, like, actual action things you could do besides put more bodies on there and you only worry about, you know, even smaller parts of the field. Yeah, so. All right, well, uh, is there anything else about the Notre Dame game that, that stood out to you or, or made you – uh, perk up and say, I've got to talk about this. I've got to get my opinion out on it uh, on the podcast. I don't love that Sheffield got no touches this game. Okay. Uh, I think it's very clear that we could use some more playmakers in the field. Yeah. 
And in theory, that's what he is. And it's up to a coach to get the best out of players. I really like Mershon Rice. I love his size. I think his hands are good. He naturally goes up and gets the ball. And the defense is fun. Yeah. I didn't expect that to be the case this year. And the defense is a lot of fun. They're yeah, very I mean, I fast. Yeah, I saw that coming. They're very fast. They scare the hell out of me every play. Because I just assume someone's going deep and open. But the linebackers, the safeties, the linemen, they move. They're aggressive. They really came out and put a hurt into Notre Dame in the first quarter. Yeah. It, 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 Notre Dame looked rocked for a second. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that was that was the opportunity to go out there and put points on the board and take a quick lead. But Purdue just, just couldn't do it. Yeah. Brahms offense let them down. Um, so that's encouraging. I'd like to see that. I think that bodes well going forward in the Big Ten. Because if our defense is going to be this solid and capable of making plays, we might get some upsets and we might, you know, these 50-50 games. We're going to win if our defense is pretty decent. And it looks like they can be. We would have no chance if our defense was bad. And they're right, not. Right. And they could yeah. have been. There was definitely a future that I saw where this defense was going to be as epileptic as the offense. And it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And it does hurt that Corey Trice uh, is out. Uh, apparently got injured in practice. We're still on uh, this mystery nonsense. Just no, no. say he broke his ankle. No, they said that. Okay. They said that. Yeah. I they saw just... a quote that it was just like, yeah, he's not going to be here for a while. Oh, well, I think you may be right that they didn't. Uh, speci- Brom apparently specifically didn't say it, but I, I think just, it got out anyway. Why? So. Why is that? It's him thinking everything is like needs to be a five level level mystery. To yeah, get I don't know the best on the field at all. Yeah, I don't know. It drives what the, me up a wall. I know. Oh, I know. Me too. I mean, I was the one having to to do the press conference post last year when it was all about David Bell and everybody and who or David Bell, Rondale Moore and who was in and who was out and it was a lot of. Well, you know, we're we're hoping he's hoping to be back this week. He's Third hoping to be back this week, and it's like, oh my gosh, come on, like just. Just tell me we don't know. I would rather you say we don't know rather than just BS me for, you know, four weeks until finally you're like, he's going to be back. It's a, If you have no information, tell me you have no information. It's fine. It's fine. I, I just want to know. That's You're out there to answer questions. Provide the information. It's that simple. Well, that's well, that was we've fun. got Illinois in that flat next. It should be a yeah. little happier. Yeah, and Minnesota, I mean, who's apparently not very good. Well, you lose your number one running back and the star of your offense, that'll happen. So um, we've got, we do have Illinois uh, coming up next week. So uh, we will cover that, uh, preview that coming up the middle of this week. That's going to drop on Friday, just as it always has been. Um, it is supposed to be my week for a recommendation, but, uh, oh no. And you know what? I'm going to do it just to, just to anger Casey. I'm going to recommend the Mountain Dew mystery flavor, which I'm, currently drinking uh for 2021 yeah, it's yeah, describe what it tastes like well no that's that's not as fun because everybody's got to say what they think it tastes like so this is the third year mountain dew put out a mystery flavor it's called mountain dew voodoo and yes i am indeed over 30 years old and endorsing a mountain dew flavor so keep that in mind without diabetes without diabetes yes i am in fact not diabetic uh shout out to jace who is diabetic um, 
you know, check out his podcast. He talks with diabetic athletes. It's pretty cool. Um, so it's, you know, it's a mystery flavor. Uh, if you really want to know what I think it tastes like, hit me up on Twitter at Jumbo Heroes and I will let you know what I think it tastes like, but I think it's pretty good. I don't What did you say? It's fine. You want oh, it to be a I heard what you said. I heard what you said. <laughs> wait a second. I was like, wait a minute. Um, so that's all I got. You know, it's pretty tasty. It's just a fun little retreat. Fun little treat. Um, so. Is it a retreat or is it a I treat? Know. I really, I blew that. It's like being a wonder kid, you know? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a wonder kid. Um, so, and before we just keep screwing up, I'm going to end it there. Uh, for Casey and myself, make sure to rate, review, hammer that subscribe oh, look, button. Another handoff of the middle for two yards. Stop it. This is why people This is why people don't like you. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, this is just one of them. Yeah. I have a list. I keep it on <laughs> just in case you turn on me in the in the future. Um all right, so uh we will chat with you at the end of the week when we preview the Illinois game. Until then, go out and get a Mountain Dew. You know, have a good time. It'll be great. Party like it's 2000. Six.